0: Night talk, giving you depth and texture to the conversations that matter. It is 13 minutes, exactly half past 10 this evening. Male contraception, as a man, as you're listening to this conversation right now, is male contraception ever a thing you considered in your reproductive lifespan and reproductive health, or is it a thing that you? perhaps presently may be considering. The only male contraceptive intervention that has been readily available thus, uh, thus far is one that is semi-surgical and somewhat expensive. And that is a vasectomy. A have inquired, a vasectomy costs no less, including initial consultation, no less than 15,000 rand, which is not a very cheap exercise, right? But if you think about female contraception, there are various options available. There's the pill, there's an injection, uh, there's the uh, IUD, um, and there's various hormonal uh, manipulative uh, medical devices that are available for that to take place. And the thing about female contraceptive is that it doesn't come without side effects. Oftentimes, the side effects can be incredibly uh, cumbersome, The fluctuation of weight, weight gain, weight loss, hormonal imbalances that can lead out to skin breakouts, that can lead to other illnesses, um, constant moodiness, and even the potential of infertility as a result of that. A bunch of things emanate from that. Yet, medical science for many, many years did not quite bother itself with finding the right medical intervention for a male contraceptive. Until it did. And then about I, the first time it, it crossed my, my, uh, I guess media consumption was about five years ago, when I saw, hey, a drug has been approved for male contraceptive, and it will be an injection that will last a particular amount of time. Yet, it 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 hasn't really come to the fruition. So, what is it that men can do beyond a the use of a condom, or beyond even just a vasectomy? To play their role in a reproductive health life that is agreeable between parties, but also one that makes men take an equal share of the responsibility. To have this conversation with me this evening is Garen Gasell, who's uh, from the Men's Foundation. I want you to be a part of this conversation. Give me a call 086-000-2032, 86 uh, 2032 Garen, good evening and thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Perhaps to ask this as a starting point, why is it that science and medical science took so long uh, to invest itself into finding a male contraceptive?
1: It is one of the... Good evening, firstly, Oliver. It's great to to chat to you. And certainly a very, very valid conversation, you know, and, and certainly with the work that we're doing not only in South Africa, but on a global scale with our uh, alliance with the Global Alliance of Means Health that's advocating with the WHO to Karen, I, just, I just
0: want i just want to pause you there because i do want yes. to hear everything you say but right now your line isn't the greatest so i want to put you back to my producer and see if we can get you in a more audible line so we make sure that we do not miss uh any of what you're saying this evening i want you to be as a man if you're listening to this right now give me a call 086 000 2032 or you can also send me a whatsapp voice note on 0614 104 107 if there was a pill available free of charge to you tomorrow as a man, would you take that pill? And let's say there's no side effects. Would you take it? And if not, why not? If not having another child or not having a child at all is something that you're trying to maintain, you don't want to have a child, would you then take the contracepts of should it be available to you? I want to hear that uh, from you as you're listening to this. Zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. Karen, you're back on the line with us. Hopefully, we can hear you much clearer.
1: I'm hoping so too, Oliver. There we go. Can you perfect. hear me better. Much, there we much, go. Much much perfect. So, sorry, sorry, go for it. So, so just to, to recap on what I mentioned when I uh, when I initiated the the conversation earlier is that um, yes to your question, this is one of the big challenges that we have not only. In South Africa, but as we know globally, where men have been excluded from, you know, prioritising not only from a from a health perspective, mental health perspective, all around, and and this is obviously the the, the relevance of the work that we need to do. Um, firstly, to address men's health-seeking behaviour, but also to provide certain solutions for men to also be part of. The solution in terms of um, in terms of you know health, reproductive health, um, etc. You know, and, and and the work that we're doing on the global on a global scale with the Global Alliance of Men's Health with the WHO is exactly for that. Uh, you know, and, and it's important for us to have these conversations for men to be more responsible and also for men to to accept You know, that, well accountability when it comes to to their health. Um, and certainly when it comes to male sexual reproductive health, you know, we, we know we're dealing with a lot of challenges with HIV and AIDS. And certainly it's also important to mention in this conversation that even though there's been advancements with um, certain, you know, certain contraceptives for men. But, you know, and, and that's one of the challenges because primarily men were having to resort to either condoms or vasectomies from a non-hormonal uh, invasive uh, contraceptive perspective. So um, so that's that's been one of the challenges, but certainly it is making positive grounds in the space for us to start advocating and start prioritising for men to be responsible in this space and uh, and to be accountable. So, So certainly it's a step in the right direction. And I, th- and I think it's an important conversation we need to have. It's one of the conversations we're also having, <clears throat> excuse me, on a global scale with HPV vaccines, which we know that there's been a, a massive drive with the human pavlova virus, which is obviously spread and, and is one of the predicators of cervical cancer in girls. And there's been massive drives, you know, especially with teenage girls in South Africa and across the African continent and globally, for HPV vaccines and as carriers of the HPV virus it's important for us to start having these conversations which we're also having now to introduce these for teenage boys and that's part of what I identify and obviously with the work that we're doing with the Men's Foundation for men to start recognizing and realizing the need for accountability from a uh, for, for their health-seeking behaviors and also starting to to introduce methods and, and narratives for men to, to be accountable for their yes. health. So, so it is one of the big challenges that we face. And it's not, so, so it's a twofold approach because on the one hand, you know, with one of the reports that the Global Alliance on Men's Health released earlier this year, which was men gone missing and how men have been excluded from health policies, not only in South Africa, Africa and across the globe, um, and the need for us to start advocating and start prioritising men to be part of of this conversation, you know and 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 getting men to understand and also educating young men for their role in terms of their prioritising of their health, but more so in relation to sexual re- male reproductive health.
0: Yeah. So how do we then change male health seeking behaviours? Uh, because that's where the starting point seems to be um, if 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 you're problematizing uh, the one uh, the culture around sexual re- re- reproductive health seeking behavior and that being the precursor to why we have prevalence of STIs uh, a lack of willingness to carry the weight as far as um, uh, contraceptive is concerned we need to then start with the educational part but hopefully that leads to some sort of cultural and behavioral change how do we begin that
1: well, firstly, we need to address masculinity in terms of toxic masculinity and men understanding what <coughs> what healthy masculinity looks like, <coughs> excuse me, in terms of how they look at their independence and their self-reliance. You know, we, we often have this conversation, especially with my experience of having run the Movember campaign in South Africa for 12, 13 years prior to their withdrawal was about regularising and normalising the conversation um, that men recognised that in terms of understanding masculinity and in terms of understanding the, 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 the one characteristic of masculinity which often is misconceived as being self-reliant and self-dependent, is that you also need to be able to open up and express yourself. And we often discuss this around the high suicide rate that we've got, particularly in South Africa, um, for men to, to start these conversations and to reach out and to recognize that suffering is silence and isolation. And and part of that is also the education, the conversations that need to be had with younger generations. So so even though we realize and especially with what the work that we're doing and and we acknowledge the work that the Western Cape uh, Health Department have done in terms of establishing the men's clinic that's uh, that's at Carl Bremer Hospital. The need to be able to go in and to prioritise men identifying the need, and, and there still is a, a barrier for men to utilise these free services. So it's it's an educational and awareness element, and it's also about addressing masculinity in terms of how men See themselves within society and the role that they play within society, to understand why we have what is a seven-year low life expectancy between men and women in this country.
0: Yeah. So, what are the, some of some of the work that's being done uh, currently? You mentioned the work that's being done by the health department in the Western Cape. What are those interventions?
1: So there's 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 various different interventions. You know, from a from a department of social development, they they're actively involved. You know, from a from a, a provincial. And whether it's from the the side or across the across the country, there's 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 various different men's forums that have been established to start these what we can call safe environments or safe places for men to start opening up and to have these conversations um, where certain topics around male circumcision, as an example, are coming up. The the prevalence or or how using male circumcision is relevant in terms of addressing. The 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 scourge of HIV and AIDS, and um, and naturally, you you know, it's also about enforcing or driving policy change and advocating for change. You know, in twenty twenty, the National Department of Health released the strategic health uh, strategy for uh, dealing with men's health in South Africa, which is a five year strategy. I think we were faced with the pandemic during this time, so I don't think there's been a lot of progress. Um, To give you another idea, we. We commenced with the establishment of the prostate cancer policy with the Department of Health in 2018, which was going to be gazetted in in April of 2020, and that was slapping in the middle of, of the start of the yeah. pandemic. So so that, you know, we picked up that conversation again at the beginning of the month of November in terms of how do we progress the policies. So on the one hand, how do we, you know, bring about the support and bring about the services and, and the various different... Um, you know the various different um, amenities available to men but also addressing the men's health seeking behaviors which seems to be the biggest challenge uh, right. we we know that statistics and we know that the conversations have worked well in terms of changing it, and it's and it's it is that multi multifaceted approach in terms of addressing and how we educate not only you know the older generations but in in driving that conversation with the younger generations and certainly that's that's what we're looking to achieve uh with introducing hpv vaccines for for teenage boys because part of that educational process as to the relevance of why boys need to be part of that process is is for them to understand their health seeking behaviors
0: yeah uh just to this and 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 i think uh you just to circle back to your 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 point around men being absent from the policy conversation as far as public health is concerned pertaining to sexual and reproductive health. Why is it that men have been absent uh, from 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 the policy making? And, and should the policy making process be a top down or a bottom up approach? How have we been doing it?
1: You, you know, I don't think there's been any any approach to it. I don't think that's what the problem is. And I, and I think that that's been part of what primarily is the problem. It's almost been left from a gender perspective to to it being problems that that women and females have had to resort to you know and and part of us addressing what i started the conversation earlier in addressing toxic masculinity is that some of the research findings and studies have revealed where under toxic masculinity men believe that they need to have more sexual partners to be considered a man that is part of what the problem is you know in terms of not only from an hiv health perspective but also from you know, a, a family perspective from absent fathers uh, yeah. within a household perspective. So, so this is where, you know, it it needs to, it needs to be a meeting of the minds through top down and bottom up, you know, from a, from a, a community perspective, you know, we see, we see a lot of, and with the men's forums that have, that have been established around the country, you know, it's within churches, within communities, within society. You know, in terms of educating men within their role, you know, and and it is the deeper scope, exactly with how men are acting and behaving and perceiving or perceived within society and how they're behaving.
0: Seems like we. Just so it,
1: it, it certainly is a, a shift that we're going through for us to to need to be accountable, and and taking on, and we've never been, we've never necessarily been introduced to to the, the the relevance of this conversation so it is an evolution and a, and a discussion that's 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 been way overdue but certainly highly relevant right now
0: yeah I'm taking your reaction 086-000-203-2086-000-2032. so toxic masculinity rigidity patriarchy rigidity around sexuality patriarchy Um, And medical science, there's always going to be a contentious, uh, fractious relationship over there, especially when you're trying to get men to take PrEP, for instance, right? Or when you're trying to uh, get men to take a contraceptive, for instance, they'll say, no, those are things for women. It, it, at various levels, you can begin the conversation around why men need to relook how they see themselves sexually and how they need to relook their own their responsibilities they have towards themselves around sexual health and sexual reproductive health. Um, at what, it, from a policy perspective, I think the best place to start that conversation is uh, in school, where you teach boy children when you start in life orientation classroom sex and uh, reproductive uh, health conversations uh, at a basic level. And, and, and there you can you can influence uh, culture and perspective. but how do you do it for men who are long past it, who are sort of set in their ways? Where does that conversation begin? Because you know the saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks is, is, is <laughs> something that will hold uh, this sort of intervention back?
1: Certainly. certainly. And, and this is what I see a lot of organizations and companies and workplaces now taking on uh, to educate these 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 men. You know, it's because of the conversation that's coming up and often why we as the Men's Foundation are called into organizations is exactly for that reason. Because men are saying, well, there's so much being done for women, is there not programs or conversations, you know, or initiatives that can be introduced to start these conversations with men, you know, and to address these topics and to open up the conversation which has primarily been seen as taboo? for so many generations before. Yeah. So it is that mindset shift because a lot of the conversations I have with older generations of men express that and say that's one of the challenges they experience is that their fathers never had those conversations and they realize that they need to be part of those conversations right now. And to what you mentioned earlier is exactly that, going back to toxic masculinity, that rigid gender roles that men have grown up to under the patriarchal mindset where contraceptive has always been perceived as a rigid gender role of being a woman's responsibility. But it's also the need for us now as men, exactly that, by the advancement from the scientific and medical perspective, for us to be able to now also be responsible and also be part of that conversation. And the the relevant education needs to go along with that. Mm,
0: Uh, give us a call. I'm taking your reactions to the zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on zero six one four one zero four one zero seven. Let's have a listen at this WhatsApp voice notes that's come through on our WhatsApp line.
2: You know, that's one of the good thing that would actually happen to a man. I mean, me as a guy, I definitely approve it because now this thing gives you in charge, it, it, it makes you f- be in charge of your own life you know, unlike now having people who usually later on telling you that now I'm pregnant and with your kid and later on find that now you end up raising kids that are not even yours so this would actually work out for us guys, I think this will definitely work, the sooner the better and I just hope that these um, topics that you're coming up with it's topics that will later on somebody will listen to it and implement. Let's not discuss this thing and end up in this um, radio station just to have some views. But it'll be something that will reach out there and they'll do something about it.
0: Yeah. Uh, your reflection on, on that?
1: Absolutely. You know, and, and again, going back to often men are using unhealthy forms of control, domineering, Um you know, narcissistic methods of, of controlling certain, certain aspects. And this is a healthy way of men controlling their destinies, you know, and being responsible and accountable, you know, to acknowledge that they also then can avoid the risk of being in a relationship or, or, or you know, conceiving a child where they're not necessarily going to be a father. You know, yeah. we, we're dealing with a massive challenge in the country with fatherless households. So, it is a step in the right direction. You know, and and the devil is going to be in the details for for men to start recognizing that need, and and for for taking on the opportunity yeah. for the So it's, So certainly is is a great uh, opportunity, and certainly is something that needs to to be discussed. And and I think that uh, that listener definitely alluded to to the positive reaction that we can look forward to from, from the public at large for men to, to want to join in and be responsible for this.
0: Yeah. I'm um, taking your reaction still zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. So to the man that's listening right now that wants to take initiative, what what do you think as maybe they say, look, twenty twenty four is my year. I'm gonna make a New Year's resolution. I'm gonna take my sexual and reproductive health very serious what what's what's a starting point for them as the year starts over they, they 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 not they need not wait for a government policy intervention they can take ownership and responsibility for that and perhaps there's a father listening right now saying i'm going to take my sexual and reproductive health serious but also that of my boy children and i'm going to start having important conversations with them to the individual what what what's the starting point right now getting
1: so so the individual is certainly, first off, is knowing your numbers, knowing your family history. If you don't know your family history, understanding what your health risks are and being able to manage those health risks from, you know, whether it's from a sexual reproductive health perspective, whether it's from a, a physical health perspective, a mental health perspective, and then being able to start those conversations and being able to understand what the risk factors are, symptoms of what the the relevant um, relevant potential risks are associated with prostate cancer, particularly from a men's, men's health perspective, prostate cancer now being the most prevailing cancer in the country, you know, from a testicular cancer perspective. If we look at what, and, and looking at our at the various sex being, you know, our, our, our counterparts women, with what they've managed to achieve with the pink ribbon for breast cancer and how the awareness and education and how women have united under the the pink ribbon to to start firstly awareness that education and and driving action this is where we're at the precipice we're at with with men right now so the start would be knowing your risk factors understanding and knowing your numbers and then having those conversations and and certainly the environment for us to have those conversations where we can obviously manage and and ensure that men don't feel demasculinated by the process just being a informed and being able to make better choices for yourself and that's that's part of this process and journey where where to start and know that there are facilities and organizations civil society organizations and governmental organizations that are now advancing uh, to prioritize men's health
0: yeah garen we're gonna to have to leave you there thank you so much for your time i really appreciate your insights and thank you so much for your work and all the best as you continue to do so
1: thanks so much we'll chat again Thanks a lot, uh Giselle yourself of
0: the Men's Foundation. What do you make of that? I'm taking your reactions. Give me a call, 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032. I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107.